Well, this morning we get to begin our study in the Gospel of John. Um, I can't remember exactly when I taught the Gospel of John before. It may have been like 15, 18 years ago. And um, I, I did look at the notes from back then, and I said, oh my, these, these notes are so awful. God definitely has a sense of humor, and his people have a sense of mercy. So the last time I worked through John, I took three years <laughs> to go through the Gospel of John. Um, and the running joke in those days was when visitors would come in, we would, we would say to them, just, just stay with us one book of the Bible. I mean, just give us a chance. <laughs> um, so I don't think I'll spend three years, but uh, we'll definitely spend most of a year uh, in the Gospel of John. And so come with me to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. We'll look at this morning and an introduction. And so let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It's rich. It speaks to our hearts. shows us how to live life. shows us how to get closer to Christ and with one another. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us as we teach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As you know that there's four Gospels. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they're called the Synoptic Gospels because they look through the life of Christ through the same, say, lens. And they're primarily historical narratives. And so they have a timeline. They begin at the birth of Christ and go to his death and, and resurrection. And they all had these three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all had a target audience. They all had an audience that they were writing to. It's not that the gospel wasn't for everybody. It is. But they had distinctives that made them a little bit different. And so we know from Matthew that Matthew was written to the Jews because the Jews were concerned about what? Genealogies. And how does Jesus connect with with the past? Uh, where does he fall? Who's in his lineage? Is he really the king of the Jews? And then Mark comes along and writes a very pithy and short, very direct uh, gospel to the Romans. Same basic material, just written in such a way that uh, helps people to understand. And then Dr. Luke comes along, and he writes in such a way that the Gentiles can experience and understand the gospel. And so why is there a need for a fourth gospel? I mean, didn't these three guys, um, you know, get it right? Well, John comes at a very pivotal time in history. And, and understanding the historical context brings a lot of understanding why we have the gospel of John. John was living in Jerusalem area, and around 70 A.D., a cataclysmic event happened that changed uh, the Jewish worship and changed really uh, the center of Christianity became, uh, say, dispersed to the whole known world. And in 70 AD, can anybody remember what happened then? Correct, the destruction of Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, and the destruction of the temple. And it all began in the, about 66 A.D. 66 A.D., the 
Roman Empire was becoming fractured, and Jerusalem and the surrounding communities, Samaria and Judea, Galilee, they all rose up in rebellion. And they managed to dislodge the greatest, most powerful force then known in the then known world. They dislodged them. And Rome didn't take that very well. They began mounting campaign after campaign to retake the city. And finally, in 70 AD, Titus came with four legions of crack troops, that being about 20,000 troops along with supplemental forces to raise the total to, some would say, 60,000 to conquer and retake Jerusalem for Rome. Now, they didn't want the temple to be burned. They had a plan that that temple was going to be dedicated to Roman gods, so they tried to save that, but they, they failed at that because the fire started and simply wiped out the temple area. But when we look at that event, it was horrific. It was at the level of Stalingrad. It, the loss of life was, was extraordinarily harsh. If we read Josephus, Josephus says that 1.1 million people died during that siege of Titus. It happened at Passover in AD 70. And tens and hundreds of thousands of people from all around came to worship at the temple during Passover. And so people were caught in the city. And the city was surrounded. And starvation came. And people, mothers, ended up uh, taking the lives of their own babies and eating them. It was, it was horrific. Bodies were stacked to such a degree that blood literally flowed through the streets. And Titus came, and there was no mercy. He came, and he destroyed Jerusalem. And in the process of that, the temple and the center of Judaism and the center of worshiping Yahweh was forever broken. And the people fled, if they could, to other parts of the world. It was in this type of environment that John fled to Ephesus. Fled to Ephesus because it was a key port city. It was a place of influence. If you know the book of Acts a little bit, you know Paul went there. You could read the narrative of that in Acts 18 and Acts 19. And Paul went to the synagogues, and he taught in the synagogues. And they were, Ephesus was a flourishing place with uh, the worship of Diana and market and commerce, libraries and paved roads and colonnades and amphitheaters. It's amazing ancient place. And so John fled there and began his ministry in Ephesus to minister to the churches that Paul had planted or influenced in that area of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And what happened uh, in Christianity and the world is that when the temple was destroyed and Jerusalem was destroyed, the narratives that we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke were all centered in that in, in that, uh, say, Jerusalem, Samaria, Galilee area. And the narratives are reflected kind of a, uh, a Jewish interpretation of, 
of who Jesus was, and an accurate interpretation, I'll add that. And that was foreign to what was happening all over the world in the dysphoria as, as Jews and Christians fled and settled in other parts of the world. And not only that, uh, around 85, 90 AD, there became a movement within the synagogues to expel those God-fearers that believed in Yahweh, believed in Jesus. And John, through the work of the Holy Spirit and the encouragement of the people around him, said, John, you have to write. You have to, you have to write about Jesus and who he is to this Hellenized, Hellenized world, Greek-speaking world. You've got to write and tell them so they can connect. And so the Gospel of John came about through the work of the Holy Spirit, the encouragement of others around John. And John wrote to a world that had changed. The Gospel of John is so unique and special. It's so direct. John gives us the purpose of his Gospel in John 20, 30 through 31. John writes this. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so the purpose of John, purpose of John is threefold. He's selective. He wants to paint a picture of Jesus so all these Greek-speaking worlds, all the world was turning to kind of be centered in the Greek language. He writes in such a way that people could not have a comprehensive history such as Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but so that they would know and understand this one truth, Jesus is God. Secondly, John writes... He's, his purpose is evangelism. He's not simply telling a story, but he's telling a person and a, and a person's story. That person is Jesus Christ. And finally, John's gospel is very personal. It was written by an eyewitness. So steeped in the narrative of John is someone who has been there, been there, at Jesus when he called John and his brother James. Been there when Jesus says, oh, my father, these guys are, they're calling down fire on Samaritan villages. They are nothing but sons of thunder. He was there. He's there at the Last Supper. He's there at the crucifixion where Jesus looks from the cross and, and says to John, John, this is my mother. And John takes Mary under his charge with a heart of compassion. And so John's gospel is so unique, so special. If you've ever uh, talked to or had an opportunity to lead someone to the Lord, uh, what gospel would you give them? What portion of scripture would you say, oh, read this first? Would you give them Matthew? Well, I don't know if they get through the first chapter. <laughs> what is this about? How do you pronounce these names? What I recommend is give them the Gospel of John. Because John's like right to the point. Because God loves you. 
the Father loves you. And because God the Father loved you, he sent his son. If you trust in him, if you believe in him, he's going to make you a child of God and give you as a gift eternal life. And so the gospel of John is evangelistic and purposeful to bring life to those that are searching. And in John's day, people had a question. Who is this Jesus? And John, in a brilliant, in a brilliant way, says, I'll tell you who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Take a look at verse 1 with me. We're just looking at four, four verses this morning. We'll come back and, and look at the rest of the prologue, which is verses 1 through 18. But John's purpose is simply this. He's going to tell people who Jesus is. And then we're going to walk through the Gospel of John, and we're going to see how this Jesus impacts people on the ground level, and how you can trust him, and how you can know him, and how he knows you, and how he has a purpose for your life. John writes this. He starts in the beginning. He picks Genesis to start with. He connects his Gospel with the Old Testament narrative to reach the to reach the Jew. And then he uses this amazing word. He says, in the beginning was the Logos. And the Logos was with God. And the Logos was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. And what the brilliancy of John does, he takes one word that serves as the bridge. Serves as the bridge to the Jews. Serves to the bridge to the Gentiles serves to deepen the understanding of Christians as far as who is Jesus. He says, Jesus is Logos. He is the Word. And when a Greek person heard that, a Greek person said, I know the Logos. It's that rational, cognitive principle that the whole world revolves around. It's that great philosophy. And John goes, no, no. Christianity isn't a great philosophy. It's about, it's about God becoming a man. It's about a person, and it's about a story. It's about a rescue mission to bring, to bring salvation to all those who would call upon the name of the Lord. Logos, I understand that, the Greek would say. And so John brings them in, lets them step into that, that pursuit of who is, who is Jesus. Those people that were, never had visited Jerusalem, knew nothing of the temple, knew nothing of Herod. They could step in to life, which is what John's purpose was. The Jews heard Logos and said, we know what that is. In the beginning, God spoke. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God acted. In the beginning, nothing existed except God. And by God's action and by God's word, he caused ex nihilo, nothing to become everything. He is the creator God, the sustaining God. And so Greek and Jew and Christian, Logos explains the significance 
of the incarnation, that Jesus had universal significance, ultimate authority. He was pre-existent. He was the creator, and he is far superior, which we're going to see in the Gospel of John, far superior than any pagan god or any pagan system of belief. And not only that, John, John says that the nature and character of God is Trinitarian, is that they coexist with each other and for each other in an amazing relationship that's hard to fathom, that the Trinity, that the Father loves the Son and the Son loves the Father, and the Holy Spirit comes and does the bidding and does the work of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These three exist together. John establishes this truth at the start of his gospel. Why? Because if, if Jesus is less than God, if God is less than Trinitarian, then all you have is a good man going about doing good deeds. And so at the very start of his gospel, John says this, in the beginning was the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, because that, that is the core of our Christianity, is that God became man and dwelt among us, and he lived a sinless life so that we can put our faith and trust in him and have our sins forgiven and have eternal life. And so be, before he gets to any, uh, anything else in the gospel, he establishes that truth, that he is fully God. Verses 2 and 3, he reiterates, at least uh, his audience, at least, at least we don't get the first verse. He reiterates by repetition, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Not only is Jesus God, but when we look at Colossians chapter 1, Jesus is the creator and the sustainer. And John uses this word for made, ginomai. And ginomai is not talking about a process, you know, that God, you know, kind of got the idea that he, he was going to have things evolve. But ginomai means this. Just like that, God spoke and created the world. God spoke and created all things. And so John ties his gospel to the Old Testament understanding of who God is and how he operates. And that God is the Father and the Son is God and the Holy Spirit is God in a Trinitarian revelation of who God is. Verse 4, and we're going to look at this and, and then pick it up next week. Jesus is life and light. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Sozo means this, means life, yes, but it has a deeper, richer meaning, meaning eternal life. And when you step into who you are in Christ, you step into the only true reality that you have. And that life is light. And as, he, as John says in John 10.10, 10, Jesus came to give us life. Yes, right? 
a little, a little dose will do you. No, Jesus came to give us an abundant life. And so John begins, John begins by establishing the truth in his gospel that Jesus is God, always existed with the Father. He's that logos. And to the Greek, he's saying, he's the logos you've been trying to figure out. And then you see massive conversions. To the Jew that's in, in the synagogue trying to figure out what happened to Jerusalem, he says, he's the logos. He's the one that spoke the world into existence. He's the creator. He's the sustainer. What happened in Jerusalem only points to the Lamb of God. We're going to see that in the Gospel of John. And so the Gospel of John gives us this bedrock truth that Jesus is God. He's come from the Father to reveal the Father to us, to show us the way to life eternal, which is to trust Him, to believe in Him, to repent and turn from our sins so that we can enjoy an abundant life, a life full of grace, life full of mercy, a life full of peace, centered in Jesus Christ. That's the journey we're going to go on. We'll spend some time on it, but each and every pericope that we come across, each and every story that we come across, it's going to glorify the Father through the work of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? If you'd stand this morning, thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us at home in worship. You're, you're the largest congregation we have, those that are worshiping at home. And so if we can help you, please connect with us. And if you're here, we love seeing you here. And we love your faces. Even though they're, they're shielded a little bit, you're in a good place. So thank you for coming. Thank you for worshiping at home. And we'll see you next week. Rachel's going to close us.